Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, if you will. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we want to continue in this vein tonight. We have been talking now at length on the life of the Spirit, living in the Spirit, and just raising an awareness to what God is doing in the Spirit realm. Amen? It's important to get our eyes on what God is really up to. And although we can see things in the natural, and although we thank God for manifestations and demonstrations and and, and things where even the natural realm is altered by heaven itself. We have to understand that that comes from a spiritual capacity, that God isn't moving in the natural without first moving in the spiritual, okay? See, we got to be able to lock in and connect with what God is doing in a realm that we can't see if we're going to expect to see those marvelous wonders, those signs, those miracles, those manifestations, those demonstrations. And so we want to engage on the level of heaven. And heaven is a spiritual realm. Heaven is a spiritual capacity, spiritual element. We're going to have to learn to orchestrate our lives and operate out of the spirit, not merely out of our flesh. Remember, just giving you a reminder, Galatians chapter 3, Paul writes and he says, oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Who's tricked you? Who has Who has sold you a bill of goods that this life that you started in the spirit can now be completed in the flesh? And so recognize that really all that God is asking of us is to continue in where we started. You didn't come into the kingdom of God on your own natural ability. You didn't confess Jesus as Lord on your own natural cognitive capacity. You know what? I think there's a higher being out there. And I think that that higher being had a son and he sent him to the earth. And I was a lost sinner and he died for my sins. And if I make it, no, you came into that reality because of the Holy Spirit of God. And there's a spiritual element that took place there. And so if we started in the spirit, man, we ought to live this thing out and finish this thing in the spirit. That's the way, that's just the best way to do it. And so we need to understand as, as the church of the living God and as believers, you are designed to live out of the Spirit. And so what might seem abnormal at first ought to be normal. See, when we, when we get into the talk of the Holy Spirit and, and a lot of the things that we're talking about, even the gifts of the Spirit and these manifestations, for a lot of people that might seem weird. That might seem abnormal. That might be unfamiliar. Well, it ought to be. You know why? Because we've been trained by our senses for so long that we have forgotten that there is a realm, or maybe we never knew that there was a realm that isn't limited by natural things. You know how God can get finances to you in the middle of an economic shutdown, lockdown, inflation, whatever you want to call it. Did you know he can do that? Did you know he can get healing to your body in the middle of a pandemic? Is you know that he can restore your life in the middle of a broken marriage. Is you know he can heal your heart in the middle of bitterness and unforgiveness and, and offense coming left and right. Do you know God can do all that regardless of the natural condition? God knows how to move in a different way on a different level, and he does not live by the limitations that we live by in this world. 
He exceeds those limitations. He moves beyond those capacities. And so we've got to learn to live there. We've got to learn to live there. If Jesus can fall asleep in a boat in the middle of a storm, that's not just any kind of storm, not, not even just this stuff we've been seeing here lately. I'm talking a boat that is being shredded to pieces where even fishermen themselves are fearing for I don't know about you. If a fisherman that knows what they're doing on the water is fearing for their life, I'm taking my cues, right? If you're on a plane and the stewardesses and the captain are going crazy, that might be a, 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 a treacherous situation we're in. If, I just look at them. If they good, I'm good, right? And Jesus is sleeping in the middle of this. Why? I don't live by man's limitations. I said... Let's go to the other side. We will go to the other side. So we just got to start living like the word is true. And the way you live that way is you live in a different capacity. Doesn't have to be weird. Doesn't have to be kooky. But I believe heaven on earth is going to be the norm in these last days. I believe that we're going to live in such a way where what seemed abnormal is going to be normal. You're going to be surprised if they don't get healed. You'd be surprised if the marriage not restored. You'd be surprised if they don't get delivered. Come on. That's the way we ought to be living. And it takes some work to get there. I understand there's progress and there's a process to this thing. But when we live out of this way, I'm not saying that things aren't going to happen in the world that we know are going to happen in the world. I'm talking about the church. Let me tell you something. Jesus came for the world. But the Holy Spirit came for the church. Say that again. Jesus came for the world, but the Holy Spirit came for the church. Acts chapter 2 was for the church. Acts chapter 2 was not for everybody that's lost and dying and going to hell. You come into the kingdom of God, and then as a result of making that entrance, now he says, let me bestow upon you my most precious gift, the promise of the Father, the very Holy Spirit of God living and dwelling in you, the third part of the Trinity. And he's not just the redheaded stepchild we just drag along when we feel like we want to do something showy and crazy or that we, that we want to call on when we're, we're, we're so at our wits that I need something else beyond me. He literally wants to live and dwell and work with you and operate with you to bring heaven to earth. That's living in the Spirit. That's a life in the Spirit. And we need more spirit-filled Christians. I get, you know, you get asked that a lot. Are y'all a spirit-filled church? I mean, is there one that's not? I mean, I know what they're asking, but at the end of the day, is there a church that's not spirit-filled? But what are you doing? You know, there's something about the first time you see something in the Bible. It's called a precedent-setting event. And Acts chapter 2 is a precedent-setting event. It was not a one-time occurrence. Let me just do something crazy right here, and then the rest of y'all figure out. That was a precedent-setting event. That was, here's the model, here's the pattern, here's the example, here's the template. Don't do a thing until you have the Holy Spirit come upon you. Then from there, you can go into all the world and be witnesses. That's what he said, be witnesses. Just the very basic uh, basis of, of, of Christianity, of discipleship, is going into all the world and being witnesses. And I need the Holy Spirit to do that. So yeah, we're a spirit-filled church. Absolutely we are. We're spirit-filled. We're spirit-filled in our word. We're spirit-filled in our actions. We're spirit-filled in our love walk. We're spirit-filled in our prayer life. We're spirit-filled in, in the demonstrations of what God has put the, put the church on the earth to do to bring heaven to earth.
At the end of the day, that's what you and I are here to do. And so we've been walking through this. And so these nine gifts of the Spirit we recognize have been given to the church, to the brethren, to believers, so that we can operate in spiritual matters. Let's go to, uh, I think I told you already, 1 Corinthians 12. Did I give you all that? You all were there? Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, New King James. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren. Who? Brethren. That means he's talking to us. And I want to stretch that a little further. He's talking to all of us. That's what we're going to focus on tonight. Who can operate in these nine gifts? Thank you. You're dismissed. I'm playing. Who can operate in these gifts? The church. The brethren. The brethren. If you are in the brethren, if you are in the fold, if you are in the church, if you're in the family, if you're part of the kingdom of God, lordship of Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit has come upon you, now we can operate in these gifts. And he says, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant, which means I can be in it, I can have the capacity to operate in it, and still not be utilizing it. I can be ignorant of it. You know, that, that's, that, that's where a lot of people live in a lot of different ways. You have access to it and didn't even know you had it. I mean, I do that. I remember I bought, uh, you know, the first time I bought a, a, a newer vehicle. It wasn't brand new, but it was a newer vehicle. It was the nicest one I'd ever owned was a few years ago. And, I mean, it, I was six months later, I'm still finding new stuff I didn't even know it could do. I'm, I'm serious. Little, little gizmos and guys like, I didn't know the seats heated up. I didn't, I didn't know the steering wheel heated up. Down in here, you don't have to use that very often, but it comes in handy a couple times. Hit the button, that thing heats up. Ooh, that's pretty nice. It's 30 degrees outside. By lunchtime, it's 62. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. But hey, when I needed it that morning, it was there. The, the mirrors folded in. Uh, you hit a button in the tailgate. I mean, just all little things. It's like, didn't know it was there. I had the capacity to use it all along, but because of my ignorance, I wasn't making use of it. It was not benefiting my life. And how many of us, these gifts that have been given to the church, we don't know they're there. We don't know we can use it. We don't know it's for us. We don't know how they operate. So the first thing he addresses is ignorance. And we've seen several different formations of this word means to be misinformed. I don't want you to be misinformed. That means some people have been misinformed about the gifts. Either that they're not for today or they're not for you or they're only for certain individuals or they work in these different manners. So I don't want to be in misinformation. I don't want to be unaware. That was another word, right? Don't, be, don't want to be unaware that, it, that they even exist, unaware that I can use it, unaware of how they operate. He's wanting to bring instruction. He's wanting to show us that you're going to have to gain some knowledge of these things if they're going to be productive in your life. Concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Let's look at a few other passage here, passages, uh, if you will. Uh, Mark chapter 16 is pretty familiar. Mark chapter 16. Keep your finger there in 1 Corinthians 12. We'll probably come back to that at some point. But in Mark chapter 16, we know this to be the, the Great Commission, or at least the parts of it that we like, the parts of it that are easily acceptable. You know, we usually stop with the first sentence. 
go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And we stop right there. But it goes on to verse 16. This, that was verse 15. Verse 16 says, and he who believes, everyone say believes. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. Verse 17 says, and these signs, everyone say signs. And these signs will follow those who believe. Everyone say believe. Okay, so signs follow who? Believers. Believers is the qualification. And he goes on and uh, gives us some clarity. In my name, they will cast out demons. So demonstrating power over a demonic force or a demonic stronghold or uh, uh, the dark spirit world. You know, there's a spirit world, but there's a good spirit world and there's a evil spirit world. They will speak with new tongues. Well, we know from what we've seen so far, nine gifts of the spirit, tongues and interpretation of tongues. That's two of the gifts right there. They will speak with new tongues. Again, who's doing this? Believers, okay? Believers will do these things. Verse 18, they will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. Now, that is both literal and figurative, okay? That doesn't mean we go around drinking poison and taking up snakes. It's not what that means. But, I mean, we, we've, we've got an, an amazing story with the Apostle Paul when he was taking up some sticks trying to just get a fire going, and what came out and bit him? A snake. And everybody in the town's waiting for him to die. They're watching him. He's going any minute. It's, it's showing up. This ain't, it, ain't good. And he what? He lives. No price. He shakes the thing off. So there's the literal, but the figurative, again, is referring to this spirit world or to these demonic forces. And he's saying, look, these things can't harm you. These things can't touch you. Okay? Again, who's doing this? Believers. Okay? Got to keep, I mean, the deeper we go in these things, we talk about gifts, we talk about tongues, we talk about prophecy, we talk about healings and miracles, and, and, and it's like you, you start eliminating yourself from the equation. Oh, that, I, I don't qualify. No, believers qualify. I mean, just by show of hands, if you're a believer, raise your hand. If you're not, we can take care of that. I mean, we can, literally. But I see a lot of hands. I see a room full of believers. I, I, I see a room full of qualifiers. Look at your name and tell them, you qualify. You qualify. You meet the criteria. You, you qualify. You're a believer. I believe. I believe. I believe. So now I need to start walking into things. Again, this is a commission. This isn't just an option. You know, anybody ever been voluntold for something? I mean, you may not have known when you were accepting Jesus as your Lord, you might have thought you're getting a ticket to heaven, but he's like, oh, I got work for you down here. Come on, don't, don't, don't sit and hang out and wait. While you're down there, make some influence. While you're down there, bring heaven to earth. While you're down there, let my will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? And what do I need to do? I need to believe. Believing qualifies me. And now I'm walking these things out. We're, we're literally breaking this down. They speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. If they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. And then the last one here, they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Who's they? Believers, it's still, still in the same 
passage here. We haven't, we haven't jumped ship and said, okay, now we're just talking about a select few. Same passage, same group of individuals, believers. Believers that call on the name. Okay, that's important. He said, in my name, they will. So got to have the name of Jesus, right? That's the, that's the authority. That's the delegated power. Without the name, then no, you're on your own. And on your own ability, no, you can't. You might look at me, well, Pastor Mark, I can't heal anybody. You're absolutely correct, you can't. But the Holy Spirit of God in you, by the name of Jesus, can accomplish it. He just needs you to partner with that. Just needs you to partner with that. In my name, they will lay hands on the sick. Well, I prayed for someone and they didn't get healed. Keep laying hands on the sick. Keep doing it. Well, I, I, I prayed and I didn't get an answer. Keep praying. I read the Bible and I didn't understand it. Keep reading it. I mean, come on. Why are, why are we quitting because we didn't get it down the first time? Anything in life you're good at the first time you did it? Come on. Some of y'all still can't parallel park. <laughs> oh, you, we get better at trusting the Lord. We get better. A lot of times, the reason why we're not seeing the sick healed is because we're still trying to heal the sick. <laughs> we're still saying, if I do, I'm, God's up in heaven saying, I'm doing it. Let me just do my part. You do your part. You lay hands on the sick. And he's not saying they might, they could, right? Am I, am I reading? I'm looking at a, a W-I-L-L. They will recover. And verse 20 goes on down to say, they went out, preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with those very signs following. Those very signs following. In Luke chapter 9, I just want you to know tonight, before we jump into really breaking down these gifts, and we're going to do it one by one, that you qualify. It's not going to do me any good to break down nine gifts that you have already removed yourself from the equation of. The, the, the next weeks, nine weeks, or however long we take doing this, maybe I'll knock off a couple of them at a time. I don't know. We'll just see how the Lord lays it out. But I want you to understand clearly. I, I don't want there to be you know, any confusion. Apparently, Paul was, was very interested in there being clarity of understanding. Now, remember this before I go any further with that. You got to discern this by the Holy Spirit. Okay? I, I can't break this down to you like a math equation, draw it out on a board, and you just get it in, uh, in here. You got to get this down here. Okay? As a church, we've gotten so afraid to do things we don't understand. But you know what? You prayed to a God you've never seen, believing that a Jesus that you've never met died on a cross that you weren't in existence that this story even took place, right? So come on, let's not be limited by understanding. Let's not be limited by, well, it doesn't make sense, or I don't really know how that would work, or, you know, I tried it once and it didn't work. You know, our experience overrides the word. Our evaluation overrides the word. Our explanation overrides the word or lack thereof. Let's just believe the word. Amen. So Luke chapter 9, verse 1, he called his 12 disciples together. 
and he gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. Now, if you remember when we did the original introduction, we said this, that these gifts of the Spirit is the love of the Father for the planet Earth. Okay? It's, it's demonstration of love. Every time you see a, a working of miracles, a gift of faith, uh, a discerning of spirits, uh, if, you see, if you receive a word of knowledge, at the end of the day, you can say this, the Father loves me. Loves me so much that he'd have a spiritual gift in, in work and in capacity to do something in my life. And they do this. They do this, one, to present the work of the Father, and two, to destroy the works of the devil. That's what he's doing. When there's a gift of spirit, a gift of the spirit in manifestation or in operation, there is a work of the devil being destroyed. If a working of miracles is in place, then whatever was broken is being mended. We're being, we're altering that, we're correcting it, we're aligning it with heaven, and then you're seeing the power of heaven on display. God is showing you His love in power. Love is not just word; it's action, isn't it? We know this. For God so loved the world that he left you down here to die. No, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. And his son brought with him a kingdom that alters this broken world and aligns it with heaven. Makes it look like what his world looks like. Okay? And so you're seeing the power of the father in demonstration and you're seeing the power of the devil broken. You're seeing the the works of the enemy destroyed. Amen. And so what he's doing right here, he called his 12 disciples. And if you read about these 12 disciples, you know, most likely you probably qualify even more than they do, to be honest with you. These are some messed up people. They really are. They really are. So much so that if you really learned about them, you'd feel really good about yourself. (laughs) You would. At least I wasn't crazy like that. We all have craziness. We all have brokenness. And guess what? God's still using it. He's still using us. He's still choosing to you. He's not using us because we're the last resort. He's using us because we were the first priority. You are not the last one on the bench. It's like, oh, that's all I got left. Get in there. Let's see what you can. He's like, this is my top choice. Grade A selection. This is the best of the best, the cream of the crop. He could have sent Paul. He could have sent David. He could have sent Moses. And he chose you for this time. Quit trying to be Paul. Quit trying to be David. Because if we needed Paul and David, they would be here. Here right now. He needs a Kyle. He needs an Ireland. He needs a he needs people in the earth today, right now. And he's called you to do it. He's called you to do it. You're here for such a time as this. And he sent them, verse 2, he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. I mean, he hasn't even died on the cross with these people yet, and he's already sending them out. That's how powerful the Spirit of God is. That the Spirit of God upon their life and the delegated authority that he's given them to operate in his name is so great that it overrode their brokenness and their sinfulness even before Jesus has died on the cross for them. And you have something better than they had. He's died on the cross for your sins and he's removed those transgressions. How dare, it, we, a lot of times we say it's humility to say, oh, you know, God couldn't use me. No, that's pride. 
It's actually the very opposite. Oh, God, God could never use a wretched sinner like me. Pride. Now you're telling God that he picked the wrong person. Y'all with me? You see the difference? Oh, I, you, he doesn't know what I, hell, he knows more than you even know. And still is saying, come do my work. Let me, let me get my spirit on your life. Let me empower you. See, that's why this spirit life is so great, because there's nothing you can ever use as a scapegoat to justify not being used by God, other than either our laziness or just our inability. We are taking the talent and burying it in the ground and saying, at least I'll return to him back what he gave me. No, he's looking for increase. God is a God of multiplication. God never plays it safe, never has, never will. God is not the one that's like, well, at least you didn't lose it. You won't be able to have that conversation with God. God, I, I took care of it. You're going to say, what did you do with it? Did you multiply it? I gave you this power. I gave you this. I gave you these gifts. You could call them your talents. Yeah, I've, I, I spoke to you, and I gave you a word to give to that person. I, I, I just didn't think I could be used by him. I, I, I didn't want them to think I was weird. Dig in the hole. Bury the gift. I know it's, it's, it, it brings some, yeah. But this, this is the kingdom. This is the kingdom. This is the kingdom of God. The master's gone away on a journey. He's left us with we're digging holes. At least I'll go to church. At least I read my Bible. At least I don't hang out with the lost people. And he's like, how are you employing your gift? I gave you a word of knowledge to give to that person. I told you to go pray for, lay hands on that person. I was going to operate a work in the miracles through you. Digging holes. Digging holes. So he sends these 12 out, verse 2. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. In Luke chapter 10, he goes a little further, one chapter over. In verse 1, after these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. Then he said to them, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. You know, you got to start here in understanding that God's interest is sending out laborers. That's his interest. That's where his heart is. How many more can we get out doing kingdom work? How many more can I send? I sent out 12, I sent out 70, and he wants to send out way more, but there was 120 in that upper room that aligned themselves with heaven and then said, now we can partner with heaven. From that moment on, the church age was born. Church age wasn't born in just merely gatherings and coming together. 
when you understand ecclesia, when you understand what that really is, it's an assembly, it's a group of people that are now going out and deploying the works and legislating the kingdom. And we're literally enacting the kingdom everywhere we go. The kingdom is mobile. The kingdom is not stationary. The kingdom doesn't have an address. You are the kingdom. For the kingdom of God is within you. These are the things that if the church can grab a hold of, and I'm going to keep preaching it until we get it, or until you're tired of me hearing it, but we're going to keep preaching it. I'm not coming off. I've sent such a burden to reignite the, the purpose and the passion of Jesus for the church, for the building up of his church. And this ecclesia is not in events, in gatherings, in what's on the schedule and how does the calendar fit with, with how does God fit into my calendar and how can I make room and make time? No, no, no. I, I'm, I'm literally orchestrating my life around what is the ecclesia doing? And it doesn't stop when I go to Walmart. It doesn't stop when I go to work. It doesn't stop when I go to my home. It doesn't, go, it doesn't stop when I'm coaching my kids' baseball games. I, I'm being the kingdom. I'm taking the kingdom everywhere. And now we're finding that the kingdom's more than just being a nice person and trying to get to heaven. The kingdom is literally bringing heaven to earth, and these nine gifts allow us to do that. And so he sent out these 70 now, and he says the laborers are few. And you know what? There's still few. There's still few. He gives them several instructions. If you jump on down verse uh, 8, whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat such things as are set before you, verse 9, and heal the sick there. Look at that. And say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. You're bringing the kingdom. When you heal the sick, bring in the kingdom. Word of knowledge, bring in the kingdom. Word of wisdom, bring in the kingdom. Discerning of spirits, bring in the kingdom. Tearing down another kingdom and building up his kingdom. You see, it's twofold. Every time I bring the kingdom, I'm destroying the works of the devil. And man, we need to get serious about undoing everything that the devil's done in this earth. Every marriage he's broken, restore it. Every heart he's broken, mend it. Every life that he's tried to take through sickness and disease, heal it. And then the grief and the loss and the suffering that, that goes on when we have lost people, God will heal their hearts and supernaturally bind that thing back up. You see the difference? See, that's different than just, oh, it's 7 o'clock Wednesday night, okay, I'll be there. It's different. We need this. This is a training ground. This is a training ground. This is where we get trained. This is where we get developed. This is where we get the word in us. But more than that, I heard someone the other day, you know, they were talking about the meditation of God's word. Meditation doesn't even start until you leave here. Do you realize that? Somebody called it the digestive system of the spirit man. What's the digestive system responsible for? Taking nourishment? and then turning it into value where it now goes into the body and provides strength, provides healing, it protects you. Do you know your body can become immune to things through your diet? Yep, it protects you. It does things for your skin. It does things for your muscles. It does things for your bones. You get the right nutrients. You get the right vitamins. You get the right minerals. You get the right things in your system. Same thing with the spirit. And then as you meditate it, meditate on it, it's processing it, 
I mean, food doesn't do any good if it just goes straight through you. I'm not going to get graphic, but you know what I mean. No, we need it to do some things. We need it to turn into some things. And then you become stronger. You become more well able to protect yourself against things. You become immune, immune to things, things that would, would break down, uh, you know, uh, 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 someone that's lost. You're immune to that. It just bounces right off you. So that what? I can go out and I can do these things. Y'all getting something tonight? So he says, when you heal the sick, say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. We all know this one, John chapter 14, verse 12. Say, I'm qualified. Say, I'm a believer. Amen. John chapter 14, verse 12. Most assuredly. He says, most assuredly. Anytime you see Jesus say, verily, verily, or truly, truly, as if he was going to lie, <laughs> right? I mean, does Jesus really have to say truly, truly? No, he's putting emphasis. Most assuredly. means You can take my word for it. You can take this to the bank. I say to you, he who believes. Everyone say believes. He who believes in me. What's the qualifier? I believe. He who believes in me. The works that I do. He will do also with a semicolon. I mean, he ain't even done there. He could have stopped right there and have been like, oh, man, that's a stretch, Jesus. I mean, you've done some pretty spectacular things. But he ain't done. Works that I do, he will do also and greater works. I can't do greater until I do same. I can't do more until I do equal. But he says, you'll do the works that I do and then some. Why? Because he's not digging holes. He said, every time I distribute a gift, I expect multiplication back. If the master's going to expect that of his servants, then you know the master is a multiplier. So even Jesus follows the same principle. He follows the same principle he's given to you and I. If I gave you something, you multiply it. So if I'm giving you a capacity to operate in the gifts that I do, then even greater works you'll do. Because that's the way I operate. I don't ever just get back the same as what I gave. I get back more. That's how I operate. That's how I work. That's his expectation. So that tells me that the latter will be greater than the former. I'm sick and tired of reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John as if it's some fantasy story that one day when he comes back through the clouds, we're not doing this anymore. I said, we're not doing this anymore. We're going to pray for the sick until they're healed. We're going to cast out demons until they go. We're going we're gonna to believe for deliverance and freedom until we see absolute every chain and, uh, broken and every bondage set. We're going to do it. We're going we're to do it. We're not going to stop until Valdosta's won. We're not going to stop until Lowndes County's won. We're not going to stop until the surrounding counties are won. We're not going to stop until the southeast is won. 
We're not going to stop until the United States is one. I keep on going. We're not going to stop until this planet is one, until God is ready and says, okay, now. They're ready. They're ready. Guys, it's easy to sit up here with the microphone and just be this bold and just be this brash, but we got to go work this thing out and we got to live this thing out. Okay? But that's the kind of attitude we've got to have. It's the way we've got to live. It's the way we've got to operate. He says, uh, greater works you will do. In the Passion Translation, it reads it this way. I tell you this timeless truth. Everybody say timeless. Well, you know, that worked back then. (laughs) He covered it. This is timeless. This ain't changing. And the truth will set you free. A timeless truth, the person who follows me in faith, believing in me, will do the same mighty miracles that I do. Even greater miracles than these because I go to be with my Father. He said, it's to your advantage that I go. If I don't go, then the Holy Spirit can't come. And with the Holy Spirit comes these gifts. Comes these gifts. Amen. Let's look at this real quick. We'll wrap it up here. Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. Who are these gifts for? Believers. Believers in the kingdom, working in tandem with the Holy Spirit, the dynamic duo, you and the Holy Spirit. You and the Holy Spirit. You and the Holy Spirit. He's the helper. That means you still have a part to play. He's not the doer. He's the helper. Y'all hear me? He's not the doer. He's the helper. In Acts chapter 8 and verse 9, but there was a certain man called Simon who previously practiced sorcery in the city and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the great power of God. So this man is doing wonders, but not by the hand of God and not in the name of Jesus and not under that same authority, not subjected and submitted to the Father. He's not operating in the kingdom of God. He's operating in the kingdom of darkness. So this isn't just merely about producing signs and wonders. This isn't merely about doing the magnificent and the fantastic and the the spectacular. We, We have to get to a place where we're not impressed by miracles. What I mean by that is, is that we're, we're not so blown away by the manifestation that we forget who the miracle worker is, the way maker is, the promise keeper is. And a lot of times we, we get blown away, we get distracted by the miracle when we forget to give glory and praise, okay? And so this isn't about doing the spectacular. This guy's doing the spectacular. He's just not making any kingdom influence. And they heeded him because he had astonished them with his sorceries for a long time. In fact, how many times do we see in the Bible that people marveled at Jesus' miracles? They were astonished at his words that he preached, but yet did not yet believe. 
right? We've seen that. I've, I, I've said it several times recently that it's, it is possible to be impressed by a miracle and still not changed by one. Okay? So we've got to get this. This is all about, it's not about who's doing it. It's not about what's being done. It's about who ultimately is producing these miracles, these signs, and these wonders. But when they believed Philip, as he preached the things, here it is, concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. Specifically, look at what he's teaching. Specifically, look at what Philip is sharing. The kingdom of God and the name, which is the authority to operate in the kingdom of God. Anytime you see the name of Jesus, that is the authority. That's the authority. That's the delegated authority. It's in the name. So notice that they recognize, man, God's kingdom is on display right now. Then Simon himself also believed. Everyone say believed. Right there in that moment, he qualified. Right there in that moment, he qualified. He believed. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed, seeing the miracles and signs which were done. He was amazed. This is why I say that the abnormals got to become normal. That the unfamiliar's got to become familiar. Not familiar in a dangerous way. You know that that can be a dangerous term in the kingdom of God. I'm talking that we get to a point where we're surprised if it doesn't happen. That's what we've got to get to. Because if we, keep, if we keep getting blown away every time a blind eye is open, every time a marriage is restored, every time a leg grows out, every time uh, bitterness and offense is eroded and, and, and taken away, if we keep being amazed as if it's the first time, then we're going to wind up in a place where we're, we're seeking the, the, the manifestation over the one that's doing the manifestation. So he's following, he believes, he's following Philip, but he was amazed seeing the miracles and signs which were done. Now, when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Notice that these are people that are proactively asking, we need the Holy Spirit. And I believe these days are coming again. Not just what must I do to be saved. What must I do to walk in the power you're walking in? But see, we haven't made the power attractive to people. So they haven't wanted the Holy Spirit. We told them the Holy Spirit's weird. We told them the Holy Spirit makes you do crazy things. We, t- we, we, we sold them on this idea that the Holy Spirit isn't something that, that's for today or, or this is. We, we, we have done that. Not we at Anchor Faith Church. I'm saying we as a, as a church because we negated and neglected and abandoned these gifts and the operation of these things that we are telling the world, you don't need them. But there was a draw where the people said, we need that Holy Spirit. And in the very next verse, it says, For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that incredible? 
I mean, I'm, I'm going to be honest, guys. I've been a Christian a long time. I've been in spirit-filled circles and, and spirit-filled churches all my entire life. I've been in ministry now, uh, you know, going on over 15 years. I, I, I can probably count on maybe one hand where someone has, I need to receive the Holy Spirit. Like in, in this way, not just, you know, what's that about or tell me more, but I'm talking such a draw where they said, but we, that's going to change. That's going to change. That's going to change. Okay. For he had not fallen on them. In verse 18, And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given, watch this, he offered them money. He offered them money. Now, this is important. I want y'all to see this because maybe y'all aren't writing out tithe checks to receive the Holy Spirit. You didn't put that on the designation on the side, other Holy Spirit. I give $500 to receive the Holy Spirit. But sometimes we offer things thinking that if I do this, I'll get that. Might not be money, but it might be an act. It might be if I pray more, if I read the Bible more, if I go to church more, if I have more Christian friends, if I get rid of this, he'll give me that. I want to remind you, he qualified in verse 13. And now he's trying to buy in verse 18 what he had in verse 13. Y'all hearing me? I'm talking about who can do who can operate in the, in the Spirit of God? Who can operate in the nine gifts of the Spirit? And this is not something you obtain through some extra measure. We've already covered it. Who can operate in the gifts of the Spirit? Believers. Believers. Just settle it in your heart now. I'm a believer. That's the criteria. I'm a believer. I've just been going to a Spirit-filled church for a few months you got to learn some things, but you've already had the capacity. You, could, you, you always had the capacity to heat the steering wheel. You just didn't know the button was there. Y'all hear me? Y'all with me? He had the capacity to heat the steering wheel, didn't know the button was there. And now he's trying to pay for something he already has. And we do this. We do this in the church. We watch ministers like Dr. Gee and, 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 and you know, uh, apostolic ministers and evangelistic ministers operating these gifts. We're like, oh, I wish I could do that. And then you start getting blown away by the sign and the wonder. Oh, man, he just, he, he, he read that person's mail right in front of everybody. I mean, I wish I could speak into someone's life with pinpoint accuracy like that. You can't. You just don't know where the button is. You didn't know you qualified this whole time. You didn't know you met the criteria. And now he's trying to buy something he had five verses earlier. He says, give me this power also that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Notice his intentions and motives will appear. He's wanting to administer the Holy Spirit too. But his course of action is wrong. His, his methodology is wrong. His pattern and, and, and how he thinks he's going to get there is incorrect. And he's trying to obtain something he already has. Isn't that awesome? And so Peter said to him, your money perish with you. 
because you thought that the gift of God, everyone say gift of God, the gift of God could be purchased with money. You have neither part nor portion in this matter, for your heart is not right in the sight of God. That's the New King James Version of way and saying, check your heart. Check your heart. Repent, therefore, of this, your wickedness, and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you, for I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. And Simon answered and said, pray to the Lord for me that none of these things which you have spoken may come upon me. When they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. You qualify. I started out by asking the question, who can operate in these nine gifts? So now as we take this journey and we, we dive into each of these gifts and why they're needed and, and how they operate and how you know when the Lord is working through you in one of these operations. And I'm going to tell you right now, in many of these things, you're going to find yourself operating in them and you won't know it until afterward. Because it's going to be that natural to you. It's going to be that natural. You're not going to all of a sudden, you know, some people when they when they when they go to give a prophetic voice, uh, prophetic word, all of a sudden their voice changes. They're trying to buy what they already have. I'm serious. Sometimes we think that there's still more I got to do. I got to conjure up. I got to make happen to sound more spiritual, be more spiritual, to prove to others that I'm qualified. And he's saying, no, no, no. I qualified you when you believed. I qualified you when you believed. Now, operate in the gifts of the Spirit. Demonstrate the gifts of the Spirit. Bring heaven to earth. Align this broken world with the kingdom of God. Destroy the works of the devil and show them my power and show them my love. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithvaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.